Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I'm Campbell Klein here with Andrew Lubliner, Dean McCollum, and Tyler Fertel. Today, we will be discussing the conference finals and most importantly, the NBA finals. I know all four of us have been looking forward to this podcast for quite a while. So without further ado, let's get into it. So uh, first, we will start with the Western Conference Finals, in which the Lakers, the one seed, beat the Nuggets, the three seed, four to one. Uh, Tyler, you want to begin talking about this series? One of the biggest players in the series, I mean, honestly, the Lakers kind of overpowered the Nuggets. The memes came rolling in at 3-1, but there wasn't that much to this series. The Lakers were too much, and they were too much for the Heat in the next round, too. Uh, So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Dean, you want to add on to that? Yeah, like Tyler said, uh, it was a pretty easy series for the Lakers. They won in five. I just want to highlight the game two shot from Anthony Davis that pretty much saved the Lakers from going, uh, making it a 1-1 series, and the Nuggets ended up winning game three, which would have made them go up 2-1. Just an incredible shot for Anthony Davis. Um, definitely, probably the highlight, uh, the highlight shot of the entire playoffs. I mean, you got that Luka Doncic shot too, but that was an amazing shot in those Mamba jerseys. So, really good stuff from AD. Jokic was a beast in the last few games. Uh, he was scary. He was looking like the best center in the league, and I think that now, after that series and after that playoff run he just had, we can all say that Jokic is the best center in the NBA. I mean, maybe Andrew still thinks that Joel Embiid is still the best center after that start bench cut. But um, yeah, Jamal Murray, obviously, uh, he broke out in this playoffs. Didn't play as well as he did earlier in the playoffs, but that what can you expect when you're being guarded by LeBron sometimes? Like we saw in, I think, the closeout game, uh, LeBron just totally shut down Jamal Murray. He, no one scored a point on LeBron in the last like two minutes of the game. Just clutch defense from LeBron and... Yeah, the Lakers were able to get past the series uh, once they got up 3-1. And uh, they just bounced back after that Game 3 loss, and there's no stopping them from there. I mean, LeBron and AD were just a better duo overall. So that's what I have to say about the series. Yeah, Dean, uh, as LeBron said in Game 4 and 5 when he started to guard uh, Jamal Murray, he said it was winning time, and uh, he wasn't lying about that. LeBron played great. Anthony Davis played great, but one other person on the Lakers I would like to highlight is Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, I'm, I think in game uh, two or three, received the starting role, and uh, he hadn't been starting too much earlier this season, and he really did a great job of getting under Jokic's skin to get, that, to get the Lakers out to a 2-0 start. Really just played really well, crashed the boards, finished layups, made some free throws. And I, I have a question for you guys. Do you think that Dwight Howard's performance in this series alone really cemented his legacy and made him a Hall of Famer? Um, For me, I don't think it was this series alone. I think it was kind of this whole season because people were doubting, oh, he can't come back into the NBA and be a player that a team can trust to get 10 rebounds a game. Well, he showed this season that he's still, he's not as dominant as he used to be, but he can still rack up the boards and he's still a big paint beast in the middle. So Dwight Howard was a very big presence, especially in this Nugget series, guarding Nikola Jokic and Mason Plumley, And he was definitely a really big part of the Lakers for their last two rounds. Another player I would like to highlight is Alex Caruso. His defense is really good. He guarded two of the best players in both of the last two series. He guarded Jamal Murray in the Western Conference Finals and 
primetime minutes, and then the next series when he wasn't injured, he guarded Goran Jogic. So I think those were two very good series for Alex Caruso. I think that he can definitely be a reliable role player in this series to come. And I know you guys are going to want to talk about this guy too, but Rajon Rondo played really well this postseason. Dean, you have something to say about this? Yeah, I just want to quickly go to Campbell's question about Dwight Howard, then I'll uh, go back to what you're saying about Rajon Rondo. Um, Like Tyler said, many people were doubting Dwight Howard and saying that he couldn't come back as good as he was. Obviously, he wasn't as good as he was, but he was still a very reliable player in the paint. I mean, all you need from him is about six points and nine rebounds. That's really all you need. And he was also getting many huge defensive plays, especially on Nikola Jokic in this series. Um, Dwight Howard, as we know, he's a three-time defensive player of the year. uh, And he's known for his defense. He's known for his big prominence in the paint. And he really showed that versus the best center in the NBA right now. And going to Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo really showed up, especially in this series. He really came alive here. And I think something we all didn't see coming was uh, Rondo hitting his threes. Like like most NBA fans know that Rajon Rondo is just known for his elite passing and playmaking, but he was able to knock down a good amount of threes, especially in this series. So huge props to Rondo for making a huge impact on the series. Now we'll move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, which was between the Heat, the five seed, and the Celtics, the three seed. And the Heat came out on top four to two in this series. Um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, the Celtics duo, was really, really great. But the Heat's just overall team effort and bench depth just outmatched the Celtics. Uh, Andrew, you want to start on this one? Sure. Um, I think that after seeing what the Heat did to the Milwaukee Bucks, I would have predicted, uh, I don't know if I actually made it like solidified prediction, but I would have predicted them to win the series. But the Celtics, although it didn't go to seven games, the Celtics definitely made it tough on the Heat, especially um, in that game six. Uh, The Heat, something that you don't see a lot from NBA teams nowadays is zone defense, and the Heat played a ton of zone. And at first, it won them a couple games uh, in the beginning of the series against the Celtics, but uh, after the Celtics were down 2-0, they were able to climb back and get back into the series, and game six was a great game to watch. Um, But the Celtics just couldn't get it done. And Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, they played. They both played well, and they're both continuing to improve. But someone that didn't play up to par is definitely Kemba Walker, who didn't play like his normal All Star uh, that he is with Charlotte. He's only made it to the postseason twice, and he's never made it out of the first round. So he's he's not used to those circumstances. But I think this experience is good for him, and I think the Celtics are going to be one of the best teams. Uh, next year in the East and be a contender. So you should definitely watch out for the Celtics, especially with Tatum and Brown just getting better. But I think the Heat just overall were the better team, and they just came out on top. Even though they lost, I think the Boston Celtics have cemented themselves as a top contender in the East for a decade to come. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker is getting up there in age, but I think he can be a star point guard for maybe the next five years. And Daniel Tice is good too, Marcus Smart, and they have an upcoming lottery draft pick this year. So I think that they have really cemented themselves as one of the best teams in the league and a top team in the East. And I think that a young team like this can definitely do a lot in the playoffs and during the regular season. I think that they will be very good. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree with what 100% of what you just said, Tyler. Jason Tatum's only going to get better from here. And Jalen Brown, one of the most underrated players in, in the NBA, in my opinion. He had some huge shots uh, in those moments. Uh, I don't know if Kemba Walker is really the best fit, I'd say, for the uh, Boston Celtics. I mean, Andrew mentioned that he'd only been to the playoffs two other times and he never made it out of the first round since he was always an eight seed. I think those both times with Charlotte. So... Uh, uh, they could definitely use some point guard depth with their 14th overall pick this year. And uh, yeah, the Celtics are going to be contenders in the East for a really long time. Um, so I have a question for you guys. So from what I saw in this series, it really just looked like the Celtics were having trouble closing games. They lost game one by three points, game two by five points, and game four by three points once again. So I know they're a very young team, but from what I saw in these games, it looked like it was just Jason Tatum putting up deep threes, hoping hoping to drain one and have a big moment, but it clearly didn't fall enough in this series as they went out in six. And do you guys think there's anything to worry about, or is it just still uh, still getting acclimated to playoff basketball? And do you think they'll come back stronger next season, or when do you think Jason Tatum and potentially Jalen Brown will get accustomed to this type of playoff basketball? Andrew, you want to start? Yeah, I think that. Um... They've, I mean, they've already been to one conference finals where they took LeBron James and the Cavs to seven games. And obviously this, I think the Celtics thought that they could win this series. A lot of people thought they could win based on the talent they have on their roster. But Tatum is still super young and Brown is still super young. So there's still a lot to learn. And the more experience they get now early in their career is going to help them once they get into the bulk of their primes because they're both going to be future all-stars. And I know Jason Tatum and probably uh, Jalen Brown, who I agree with Dean, is one of the most underrated players. That they can both have superstar potential. And the Celtics, uh, obviously, as I've already mentioned, Kemba Walker, he's going to come back better. And I think that the, the Celtics, um, they just, as you said, they had trouble closing games. Uh, it was kind of, they didn't really have like that inconsistent late game score. Like it was kind of just whoever was open uh, would take the final shot. Okay, um, before we move on to the finals, I know we didn't address the Heat much, but since they did make the finals, we will be talking about them a lot more in just a few minutes. But one last thing before we move on, this is mainly directed towards Tyler and Dean, but Andrew can also have a say. As Laker fans going into the finals, how did you feel once you saw the Heat were going to be playing them and they have a really great all-around lineup, a lot of young players? How are you feeling, Tyler? You want to start? So one of the things I was worried about going into the Lakers Heat series was the Heat's 2-2-1 zone. They probably play the some of the best team defense in the NBA, and that worried me going into the finals because the Heat don't give up very many threes, and a threes are a very big part of the NBA nowadays, and the Lakers aren't a very good – They, I mean, they weren't a top-tier three-point shooting team in the NBA, so that worried me that – but – I think that AD and LeBron were able to do a lot in the middle, which opened up a lot on the outside for Danny Green and KCP and Rondo and Markeith Morris. So I think that really helped. And I think that AD and LeBron were too dominant, even though Jimmy played really well all throughout the series. I'm referring to Jimmy Butler for anyone that is wondering. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, that that was something that worried me because the Heat hadn't given up very many points throughout the whole playoffs, and they really shut down Giannis when he wasn't hurt in that series. So, yeah. 
Um, so now talking about the Lakers versus Heat in the finals, I was pretty surprised when I saw the Heat, uh, when I saw that the Heat were going to take on the Lakers in the finals because um, I didn't even expect them to come out of the second round versus the Milwaukee Bucks, and let alone they beat the Bucks, and then they ended up beating the Celtics in order to uh, get to the finals. And I didn't know that Jimmy Butler would come in clutch uh, that much. He was playing amazingly uh, during the uh, entire postseason. So big props to Jimmy Butler on that because – he definitely showed that he can be a number one on a championship team. But uh, talking about the series now, I originally had Lakers in five. It, it might have been a bit of a bold pick, but I felt like that the Lakers weren't going to lose back-to-back games at any time in this series, and the Lakers were going to be able to step it up. People like KCP and Danny Green and Rajon Rondo were going to be able to hit their threes in that zone defense that the Heat were playing and then sort of came off of because in the first two games, there were absolute blowouts. So those were my thoughts coming into this series. I was just hoping that the Lakers could exploit their uh, zone defense, which they did, uh, and just hit their shots overall. The zone defense, as you guys mentioned, was definitely going to be a challenge for the Lakers that they had to overcome. But another challenge... um, the Lakers was stopping the Heat offense because the Heat, they have so much off-ball motion between cutting and screening away and uh, dribble handoffs with Bam Adebayo and those dribble handoffs with with Bam and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and all those guys and Drogic, they work so well together. And then on top of that, when you have Jimmy Butler playing the best basketball of his career, and then you got guys like Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala who are scrappy defenders, it presents a tough match, a tough matchup for anyone because they match up really well against most teams. However, they do have a lack of rim protection when Bam Adebayo goes to the bench. And as we'll talk about a little bit with him uh, missing multiple games, the Lakers were definitely able to take it inside because Kelly Olenek is definitely not a rim protector and he's hobbled uh, when it comes to rebounding defensively. So that definitely affected the heat, but uh, we'll talk about that a little more later. Okay, now we will fully move on to the NBA Finals, Heat versus Lakers, a matchup everyone was looking forward to, not only just Lakers versus Heat, LeBron versus Pat Riley. Great series. Everyone was looking forward to it. Not sure if I would have rather had Celtics-Lakers. That would have been a lot of fun too, but either way, we have the Lakers, the one seed, versus the Heat, the five seed. And for this series, I believe we're going to take it game by game. Starting with game one, the Los Angeles Lakers-Tacoma, 100-16 to to 98 victory. Um, I'll start off for this game. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, a lot of the Heat's uh, star players, Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic, got hurt early in the game. The Lakers really uh, exploited this, and we were up big going into the fourth quarter. We gave a few points back, making it look a little bit closer than it actually was, but we had this game in the bag after the second quarter. AD played great. LeBron played great. Just a fantastic team effort. After after the game when we heard Goran and Bam, it wasn't any minor injury. A lot of people thought this thing was going to be done in four, but that wasn't the case, as we'll talk about later. Uh, anyone have anything to add about this game? Like Campbell said, there wasn't, uh, there's not much to this game. The Lakers were up huge in the first half. And after that, Bam Adebayo and the Goran Dragic injuries um, uh, mid, uh, in mid-game, uh, it was basically over. People were already writing off the series as a sweep. So uh, Some people were bringing out the brooms already. Uh, but the Lakers just absolutely destroyed Miami in game one. And many people thought that the Lakers were going to come out of this uh, series easily, which wasn't the case, like Campbell said, but... Um, yeah, obviously, game one was an absolute 
obliteration, not something Heat fans like to watch. This game was not close at all. The Lakers obliterated them through quarters two through four, but in the first quarter, the Heat were winning for the majority of the time. But after that, they had no chance. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo also got hurt in the game, which were two headline stories going into game two. So, uh, yeah, this series – so, yeah, this game wasn't close, but the rest of the series was pretty interesting. So, Okay, now we'll move on to game two. Once again, the Heat didn't have two of their star players, Goran and Bam. Um, the Lakers won by 10 points in game two, but in my opinion, I don't know if you guys feel differently. This felt like a pretty dominant win by the Lakers. There was never really a doubt. It just felt like I was choosing LeBron James and Anthony Davis to close this game over anybody on the Heat. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I viewed it. LeBron and AD both put up 30-plus, really dominant performance. Uh, Andrew, you have anything to add? Yeah, well, um, this is kind of a quick thing about both the first two games. It looked like the Heat... Um, it looked like they were a little scared of the moment. I mean, you've got a lot, um, the majority of the players, I think, outside of maybe Andre Iguodala. I don't think anyone else on the Heat um, who actually plays in the rotation had ever made the finals. You got young guys like Kendrick Nunn having to play backup minutes, Kelly Olenek having to play backup minutes, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. These guys, like, they, they, they all didn't show up in the first two games. And that's why the Heat lost by double digits and got dominated. It was kind of like, Jimmy Butler was the only scoring option. Um, the Heat looked nervous. They looked a little antsy. Um, they didn't play how they're supposed to play. And as the series went on, they uh, they finally got back to what they've been doing all season. But the first two games, the Lakers, they just with all that experience on their team between LeBron and Rondo and Dwight and Danny Green, it really kind of fueled those first two games. And I think that once the Lakers took a 2-0 lead, everyone thought the series was pretty much over because especially when you're going up against uh, two of the top five players and probably the best player in the world, it's really hard to come back from a two-game deficit in the finals. Um, so definitely it was a tough loss for the Heat, but like Campbell said, it wasn't really a competitive game. Like losing by 10 points doesn't look that bad, but I don't think the, I don't think the Heat really had a lead for any part of the game. So it was another dominant performance by the Lakers. Yeah, uh, the Lakers, led by Anthony Davis and LeBron James, LeBron had 33, AD had 22. So they led the Lakers to a win once again. Uh, on the Heat side of things, Kelly Olynyk surprised people by having 24, which was quite surprising to me because I didn't think he could put up more than 10 ever, especially in the NBA Finals. But something to point out really quickly about the Heat, uh, Andrew is a very big Duncan Robinson fan. and I just want to point out that in game two of the finals, his score differential was negative 21. So Duncan Robinson did not play well in this game. He didn't play well later in the series, but not in this game. So Andrew, he's not that good. Yeah, like in game one, game two was obviously, I mean, on paper, 10 points doesn't look that bad, but it, it was another dominating win for the Lakers, a convincing win. Uh, the Lakers, it the the scores from the first game and the second game probably should have been swapped, uh, because the Lakers had uh, less to go up against because Bam and Goron both didn't even play this game. And going back to what Tyler said about Kelly Olynyk dropping twenty four in game two, uh, which was a surprising amount of points for him. Uh, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day when it's all said and done because Anthony Davis, uh, 
he, that was his assignment that de- uh, that game, and he just totally dominated Kelly Olynyk compared to uh, himself. So at the end of the day, those twenty four points didn't really matter because the Lakers just blew by the Heat in this game, taking an easy two zero series lead. Now we'll move on to Game Three, in which the Miami Heat took home an eleven point victory. And what I think is pretty funny is in Game Two, the Lakers won by ten, and it felt fairly dominant. However, in Game 3, the Heat took home an 11-point victory, but it felt extremely, extremely close. The Lakers were down big in the fourth quarter, and they made a big comeback. They even took the lead at one point, but were unable to close the game out. And I actually think this is pretty funny because uh, after, after the NBA Finals concluded, a stat came out showing the Lakers were 57-0 and when, uh, when leading after the third quarter, meaning they were closing games out left and right. However, once they took a lead with... I think under six minutes left in the fourth quarter, they were unable to close it out. Um, I'll leave I'll leave it to you guys to talk about Jimmy Butler and his great performance. Uh, Dean, do you want to start on this one? Yeah, Jimmy Butler was an absolute animal this game. Um, he really showed why the Miami Heat were in the finals, and he gave Heat fans, and not only Heat fans, but many other people, signs of hope that the Heat would actually have a chance in this finals because... Game one was a blowout. Game two was a blowout. So many brooms were being brought out, and Jimmy Brother really brought a light to the Heat, uh, to Heat Nation, because he had an amazing game. Uh, and just like I said earlier in the podcast, he's showing why he can be a number one option on a championship team. I talked about him in the first ever podcast, uh, which sounds weird to say, um, but he was going to have to be impactful in this playoff since he'd never been past the conference semis and he showed that he can just be amazing in the playoffs he's amazing under pressure he hits all of his free throws he makes all of his tough jumpers when he's being guarded when he's being face guarded so props to Jimmy Butler I think I've said it a few times but he he had a hell of a season yeah Jimmy Butler showed that he is the leader of a championship contending team and I'm gonna say it. I think he can be a top 10 player in the NBA next season. He is very talented. He's a great leader. His toughness is unmatched. And he played very well all throughout the series. He had 40 points in this game. Uh, yeah, he had a triple-double. He almost averaged a triple-double in the finals, which is incredible for any person. So, yeah. And additionally, I talked about Duncan Robinson in the last game. His plus-minus was negative 21. He could have made the difference here because his plus minus in this game was plus 27. So that's something interesting. Duncan Robinson seems like he did make an effect on this finals in some way or form. So, yeah. Um, yes, he did, Tyler. You are right. And we we're going to get to another game where he actually made an uh, even bigger bin- impact. But to your earlier point, um, yes, Duncan Robinson, obviously, his plus minus was not good. But... As we will see, in the two games the Heat won, Duncan Robinson had the highest plus-minus on the Miami Heat team. So he might be the key to their victories. But in this game, it was obviously Jimmy Butler. The 40-point triple-double. This was like the first time in finals history that someone uh, playing either with or against LeBron has uh, outscored, out-rebounded, out-assisted, out-stealed, out-blocked, out-whatever against him. So that's just remarkable. Because, you know, LeBron usually leads his team in the finals in every single countable stat. So that was just a really impressive uh, performance by Jimmy Butler. He gave the Heat life. And this game gave the Heat confidence that they could actually win this series and be competitive against the Lakers and not just get swept like most people thought they were going to. 
Okay, now we'll move on to game four. The biggest game of this series, in my opinion. The Lakers could take a commanding 3-1 victory or the Heat could tie this thing up at two apiece. Um, I really think this game, it was a second-half game. LeBron was really just willing this Laker team, keeping them in the game, getting to the free-throw line. I think he got to the line maybe 10 or 12 times, so he was just really... He was really putting it all on the line, getting to the bucket, making the refs call fouls. And at the end of the day, KCP hit some big shots. He had a big three. He made a big driving layup over none other than Andrew Loveliner's Duncan Robinson. Um, It feels like this is becoming the Duncan Robinson podcast, and we're just going to see even more of that in game five. But uh, as I said, KCP made some big plays. And then at the end, Anthony Davis hit that – hit that uh, left wing three to close it out, give the Lakers a nine-point lead. AD pounded his chest, high-fived with LeBron. This was really a crucial game for the Lakers. They clearly wanted this. Dean, do you want to add on to this? Yes, other than that uh, game six uh, victory that the Lakers had, this was definitely my favorite game of the series. I mean, KCP, I love KCP showed that he he deserves a roster spot on this Lakers team next season. I mean, as a Lakers fan, I did not want him on the roster based on what I'd seen from him uh, in the regular season, but he he stepped it up in this game, especially like Campbell said, hitting that crazy driving layup over uh, Andrew's very own Duncan Robinson. I didn't even know he could slash like that, to be honest. And then, of course, hitting that huge corner three. And then Anthony Davis with that dagger three over Bam at a bio that sealed the game for the Lakers. I mean, that was just a crazy sequence from the Lakers. Huge defensive plays and even bigger offensive plays for the Lakers. And they took care of business there. Anthony Davis had himself a game, especially with that huge shot. He's made those shots all postseason long. And really, and uh, LeBron came out uh, in the press conferences after after the game, and he said that he texted in the group chat must win. That's all he typed in the group chat that morning with the Lakers. And they got the job done that game to take a commanding 3-1 lead on the Heat. Yeah, for me in this series, if AD or LeBron didn't get finals MVP, which obviously they should have. I mean, two best players in the Lakers by a mile, and they kind of carried them to this championship. But I think that the third player that could have potentially gotten it, if one of them two didn't get it, was Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He played very well all throughout the series. He was a very reliable three-point shooter. He had 15 points in this game four. The majority came in the first half where he was able to get the Lakers to out to a lead. So, yeah, he was very good throughout the series. Him and Markeith Morris both played big minutes along with Rondo. So, yeah. Dwight Howard only played seven minutes in the game, and he didn't score any points, but... In this game, he didn't need the stats to show what he did. He locked up Bam, even though Bam wasn't as healthy as he should have been. He contained him and didn't let him go off. So, yeah. Well, you guys have definitely brought up a lot of points, uh, good points, but I'd like to bring up another point. Um, well, like Tyler said, uh, talking about how KCP was that third guy, he definitely came up clutch for them. And, you know, the Lakers, they don't, they don't win when Anthony Davis and LeBron don't both play very well, and they both played well uh, in this game. But when you look at the Heat and see why they didn't win, when you look at the starting lineup, I mean, they got great contributions, 22 points from Jimmy Butler, 21 points from Tyler Hero, 15 uh, and 7 from Bam, which you want more as a Heat fan, but that's still a 
a good, uh, relatively good game. 17 points from Duncan Robinson. But the difference in this game was the bench. Um, the Lakers bench outscored the Heat bench uh, by 15 points, 27 to 12. And I think the Lakers bench played a big part, especially um, guys like Alex Caruso, um, uh, Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo, who probably played some of the best basketball in his career during this playoff series and this playoff run. And Markeith Morris, who was a sneaky uh, acquisition at the free agents uh, at the trade deadline, but he's definitely helped the Lakers big time, especially when they've had to go small this series. As Tyler said, Dwight Howard did not play very much. Markeith Morris definitely took a lot of his minutes and definitely made the most of it. And this game, it was very exciting, but the Lakers, they just uh, pulled it off in the end, and the Heat just had no answer for Anthony Davis all game. And now we'll move on to Andrew's favorite game of this series, Game 5. I'm going to go through it really quickly, try to leave out the parts I know Andrew is going to want to talk about. Um, this was really just LeBron James versus uh, Jimmy Butler. They both had really, really great games. LeBron with 40 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. Jimmy Butler with a 35-point triple-double. Anthony Davis with an easy 28 points and 12 rebounds. Um, this was a pretty tough game for uh, Lakers fans. We were all very excited to bring home the uh, championship that night, but the Heat said no. We could not get the victory in the Black Mamba jerseys, which was pretty sad as a Laker fan. Um, I was talking to Dean. We got in a little bit of a heated argument that night. I was pretty mad about uh, getting Markeith Morris switched on to Jimmy Butler late in the game, and we went back and forth about that. So uh, we, I was hoping the Lakers would fix that the next game. Um, this was a really good game by the Heat. They did not want to go home uh, tonight, and they got the victory. So, Andrew, I'll go to you to talk about uh, Duncan Robinson's ridiculous performance. All right. Well, um, yeah, Cam, I'd love to talk about Duncan Robinson. This was his best game of the finals, maybe even his best game um, of the series. He made seven three-pointers, which is the third most by any player in an NBA Finals game. Uh, he also had a put-back dunk, which uh, as a Duncan Robinson fan watching most of his games, I've never really seen him dunk in game, so that was pretty cool to see. But uh, I'd like to also highlight what Campbell said, the LeBron versus Jimmy matchup. I mean, LeBron with 40 points and Jimmy Butler, 35-point triple-double. It just goes to show that uh, it's kind of crazy. Like, if LeBron can drop 40 points and Lakers still don't win, uh, it kind of puzzles me on how they didn't win. And this was really a subpar game um, from Anthony Davis. Even though he had 28 points, he was in foul trouble um, a lot of the game. And he wasn't really the force that he was uh, for uh, the other five games um, throughout the series. So he definitely uh, didn't pick up the slack. Another thing about the Heat, the Heat shortened the rotation in this uh, game. They only had six people play. Uh, they had a good contribution off the bench from Kendrick Nunn, who definitely played big minutes with Goran Dragic out. Um, and Jimmy Butler, I mean, in the clutch time, he came through, he hit some tough jump shots, some tough floaters, uh, fall away, fade away jump shots against, like Campbell said, uh, guys like Markeith Morris, who the Heat wanted to get, uh, LeBron switched off of Jimmy and they did. And the Lakers, um, I mean, Jimmy Butler, if they, if they weren't, uh, helping off him in the post, he probably would have dropped like 50 points, but they, they were helping a lot and that opened the lane for Duncan that opened the open up threes for Duncan Robinson and uh, Tyler here also had a good game and Kendrick Nunn, who I think this probably was his best game of the playoffs because he has been uh, playing uh, very often. So, yeah, I mean, 
just a great, great win for the Heat and a tough loss for the Lakers, as Campbell said. Most Lakers fans wanted them to close out in the Kobe, the Black Mamba jerseys, but Jimmy Butler definitely uh, sealed this game for the Heat late in the fourth. This is a tough game to watch as a Lakers fan. Danny Green and Markeith Morris kind of choked it for them down to the down at the wire. Danny Green missed a wide open three off of LeBron's drive and then Markeith Morris did a repeat J.R. Smith impression to throw it out of bounds uh and then the Lakers ended up closing it out in the next game but I'm gonna talk about the heat real quick in this game Duncan Robinson played very well he had seven threes he 26 points very good game for him but I want to point out something really quickly I think Tyler Hero is one of the most overhyped players this season I mean He averaged, what, 10 points in the playoffs. People are saying he's a potential MVP in the future. Like, this guy, he did a smug after, like, what? I don't even remember what he did. Like, he had, like, what, 12 points in this game? Like, like you you can't, like, I mean, honestly. Do you guys think he's overhyped, or do you think that he is actually as good as he seems? Because I don't. I think that people think he's way better than he actually is, and Jimmy Buckets and Bam out of bio, Goran Dragic, carried this team to the finals. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero got all of his hype pretty much from the game where he dropped, what, near 40? And um, uh, there there are so many memes uh, when – uh, he did that snarl when uh, someone on his team, I think it, it might have been Jimmy Butler, hit that uh, hit a dagger on the Lakers that game. He did that snarl. It was all over social media, and everyone was clowning him. He was shooting four for 12 at the time in that game. And, um, I mean, Tyler Hero, he was very overhyped coming into this series. I mean, he had an amazing postseason, and he did not show up in, on the biggest stage. So... I think I thought it was pretty funny that the Heat made all of these shirts about that Tyler Hero snarl just to lose uh, two days later uh, in Game Six. So that's that. Those are my thoughts on Tyler Hero. Yeah, to add on to what you were saying and answer Tyler's question, I definitely think Tyler Hero is overhyped. The guy threw the ball off the side of the backboard what four times in this series while being guarded by Kyle Kuzma, and he's still going around snarling like he's the best player on the court. Nothing wrong with a little confidence, but you're a rookie. Like, just, just take your time and stay a little bit humble until you can actually do something big. And if you, if you hit a really big shot, go ahead and make that snarl. But having Jimmy Butler carry your team to a couple of wins in the NBA Finals is not deserving of you acting like you're the best player in the whole world. I agree with uh, what you guys were saying about Tyler Hero um, being uh, a little overrated. I think that because of that 39-point game and just because he had uh, one of the daggers in that game three, the media uh, takes everything really far, especially like Twitter. Uh, I think definitely he was overhyped and it showed. I mean, we're about to talk game, about to talk about game six, and I know he did not have a very good game six. Um so, yeah, I think he's a little overrated, but I think he's going to continue to grow and get better. I think he's probably going to be a future all-star um, in this league. But I think as of right now, uh, he's still very young and inexperienced, and that definitely showed in the game six. That is where we disagree. I do not think he's going to be a potential all-star. I think he, he has been- insane potential, and he dropped 39 in a, play- in, in a playoffs game. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's an all-star. He has, the poten- he has the potential to be an all-star. You can't he disagree has the potential. with that. He has the potential to be an all-star. Okay, so if really someone has the potential, and you think that, uh, if you think that uh, someone has the potential to become an all-star and you believe that they will put in the work to become an all-star, then how are they not becoming an all-star? 
Well, I'm saying that he has a chance to be an all-star. He has a, he has a good chance. I don't think he has a good chance. I think there are plenty of younger players in this league that are better than him. I think exactly. So. But here's the thing. He's a rookie in his first year coming off the bench. And now all of a sudden you get inserted into a starting lineup in an NBA finals. That's really tough for a young player. And he still showed at, at certain points that uh, he deserves to be out there. So it's such a small sample size. Like to be, to be fair, Jalen Brown in his first season, um, he was, he was not very good. He was not very good in his rookie season, but the Celtics made it far. Um, well, okay, he was. I see you, Dean. I'm not saying he wasn't good, but he was similar to Tyler Hero in his in his rookie season. Like he didn't finish top three in rookie of the year voting. Like he was still a, a decent bench player for the Celtics when they went far into the playoffs. But look at Jalen Brown now. He's a borderline All Star, maybe an All Star um, next game. So I think uh, I think it's it's not fair to Tyler Hero to say that he has uh, not a good chance to uh, become a future All Star because he has a ton of seasons left in the NBA. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a good chance to be an all-star. I'm just saying that after this playoffs, you can't conclude, okay, he's going to be an all-star. We need to see more of him. It's not I, a big I never sample con- size. I never concluded that, but when you, ha- when you have this small sample size, you can make a conclusion uh, saying that there's a very high chance that he is uh, going to be an all-star. So uh, now that you guys are finally finished done arguing about Tyler Hero, do you guys think he's uh, – where do you guys think he's – uh, ranked in the rookie so i bet you guys probably have john morant one zion uh zion two either way around vice versa who do you have at three or four and five like do you have tyler hero in that top five i'm sure you guys have him in the top five but where do you have him there yeah i think that uh he definitely deserves to be in the top five i think that uh john morant and zion are one and two and i think that tyler here as of right now i mean it's only been one season for these guys so as of right now i think he's the number three player um also Kendrick Nunn he was second rookie of the year voting but he kind of lost his minutes because of uh, disruption uh you know he had COVID-19 in the beginning of the playoffs so he uh he kind of lost his rhythm but I think that Tyler Hero's top five um regardless of what you say I think other players that could potentially um uh, by the end of their career be in that top three years Kendrick Nunn RJ Barrett um uh, there's some other players that definitely have a uh, good potential um in that draft class but yeah i think as of right now tyler hero is definitely the third best player uh, maybe even the second because zion williamson he didn't play very much this season even though he showed that he is very good so hero's definitely top three so tyler do you have tyler here at three if not who do you have ahead of him yeah i think that it's pretty close i think that you can say tyler hero is the third best rookie in this draft class but i think that there are a couple other players that could potentially be in this spot like Rui Hachimura played well this year. He wasn't healthy the full year, but he's a lot of potential. Brandon Clark is pretty good on the Grizzlies. He he had a good rookie season along with John Morant. P.J. Washington was pretty good on the Hornets. He didn't have too good of a chance to stand out as that Hornets, Hornets team was not very good. But also Kendrick Nunn, like you said, he had coronavirus at the beginning of the postseason, but he was really good in the regular season. So I definitely think there are a bunch of different rookies that will have a bigger role next year. Maybe like Kobe White, Cam Reddish, Darius Garland, DeAndre Hunter, Eric Pascal. So I think there are a bunch of them. And remember, Michael Porter Jr. is technically considered a rookie, but we're not going to talk about him here since he was drafted the year before. 
Yeah, I'm going to quickly uh, talk about if Tyler here is in my top three, and then we can go to the final game of the NBA Finals. So for me, I think I agree with Andrew. Tyler here has got to be my third spot. I wouldn't put him over Zion because his ceiling's definitely not as high as Zion's, so I can't put him there. And I also think Zion's a better player right now than Tyler Hero. So it's between him. I really like Kobe White too. I'm glad Tyler mentioned that because Kobe White's really good. So... Um, yeah, Tyler Hero is probably my third best rookie right now. I'm going to add something really quickly. Andrew's a Knicks fan, and it's kind of funny that we did not mention R.J. Barrett in this conversation. He was the number three overall pick this year, but not even the conversation for the third best rookie. So <laughs> kind of funny. Andrew, you have anything to say about this? Yeah, really quickly. Um, I'm going to keep this short because uh, we need to get to the game six of the NBA Finals, the main segment of this podcast. But A reason why that he is number three is, first off, a coaching change never helps uh, a a young rookie. He never really had much time uh, to develop. The Knicks uh, player development staff is probably the worst in the league, in my opinion. They haven't been able to develop anyone besides Mitchell Robinson so far. So that there's that. And then it's also he's he's averaging 15, 18 field goals a game, which is more than most rookies. So that's why his percentages are down. He had he averaged 17 points um, after the All Star break in the second half of the season, so he definitely got better um, over uh, the course of the season. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean RJ, he just hasn't had enough time uh, to develop. And when you're pretty much the best shot maker on a team as a rookie, uh, especially on a team like the Knicks, where it's just veterans who are just feeding the rookies the ball, it's it's a tough situation for him to just all of a sudden be the best rookie or a top three rookie. But I think by the end of his career, he will definitely be a top three in that draft class. So now that we spent the last 15 minutes talking about the rookie class, let's move back to the NBA finals game six, the final game, a lot of anticipation, a lot of hopeful heat fans, a lot of uh, sports websites and podcasts making their own videos. Do the heat have a chance? Well, the Lakers in this game, quickly shut those talks down going up 28 in the first half um and then not giving up any points in the third quarter just extending it to 29 points and just really cruising to an nba finals victory lebron james great game anthony davis great game uh good to see danny green knock down some shots after his key mistakes in game five and apparently he said he and his, uh, I think, fiance or girlfriend received death threats, though. So it was good to see him uh, make some shots in this game six. Um, in my opinion, Jimmy Butler just didn't have it. He'd been playing, I think, in game five, he played 47 and a half minutes. He clearly did not have his legs in this game. He just didn't look the same. Um, as, as Dean, I think, said earlier, respect to Jimmy Butler. He had a great season, an even better postseason. He's proved himself as a premier star in this league. But the Lakers bring home their 17th franchise championship. Um, LeBron goes on to win finals MVP after averaging. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not 100% sure about the averages. Um, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere near like 29, 13, and 8 maybe. You guys can correct me on that if you have it up. Um, yeah, good to see, uh, the Lakers hoist that championship trophy as most of us here are Lakers fans. Also great to see J.R. Smith once again, shirtless, 
J.R. Smith, the first Laker to touch the trophy, of course. Um, yeah, just a really fun game to watch. Dean, you want to begin? Yeah, like you said, um, like games one and two, the Lakers blew the heat out in three of their four victories this series. If you think about it, the series, other than the Heat's wins, it wasn't close at all. And um, LeBron James led the Lakers to their 17th franchise uh, championship. And to be honest, they should have the most right now. It's just that the Celtics have 10 of their championships when TVs were still black and white. Um, That's besides the point. Um, Big uh, contributions from every single player who played on that game, especially Dwight Howard playing those garbage time minutes, hitting that huge three at the end of the game to put the cherry on top. That was a beautiful three. I didn't even expect... He just pulled up from the logo and knocked it down. Dwight Howard definitely upgraded. <laughs> Dwight Howard definitely uh, equipped range extender on Hall of Fame before the game. So great stuff from Dwight Howard. And yeah, I was super glad to see it. Um, it was a really emotional game for everyone, especially seeing that montage at the end of the game when they hoisted that Larry O'Brien trophy in honor of the late Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant. So great moment for uh, the Lakers organization. I'm As a Lakers fan, I'm hoping to be back in that same position probably around this time next year. So I'm really excited for the future with this Lakers team. Yeah, as a Lakers fan, this was awesome to watch. LeBron and AD hugging, hoisting the trophy. AD was crying. I mean, it was just so awesome to see. I was so happy. We we were all so happy. I mean, Andrew isn't the very big Laker fan, but even he was pretty happy to see the Lakers win a championship as he lives in L.A. too. Uh, there were parties near Staples Center in L.A., not COVID-19 friendlies. None of us went, but we wish we could be there, but – Fortunately, because of COVID-19, we couldn't. Hopefully, the Lakers win it next year, too, so we can do something like that next year. But, yeah, this series was definitely one for the ages. I mean, Jimmy Butler and LeBron James dueled it out each and every game. It was in an Orlando bubble. Dwight finally got a ring in Orlando. So, LeBron became the first player in NBA history to win a finals MVP on three different teams. And him and Danny Green have now won the finals on three different teams too. So yeah, this was a great series. It was really fun to watch and hopefully the Lakers will run it back next year and win it again for Kobe. Cause yeah, Kobe did a lot for this organization and they did something great for him this season by winning the chip. You guys pretty much hit all the most important points. Um, the Lakers held the Heat to only 36 first-half points, which is probably the least they've had all year. That's my guess. Um, the Lakers were the best defensive team all year in all playoffs. They showed why. Um, I mean, I didn't. in my opinion, I didn't think this was going to Game 7. I thought there was no way LeBron and AD were going to let that happen. I think they just wanted to finish it off and get that cho- get that trophy. And a lot of people were making claims about how they think Anthony Davis uh, should have won Finals MVP, but... In this game, um, LeBron James was definitely the leader. He definitely carried them uh, to that uh, Game 6 victory, and he was definitely rightly deserving of the Finals MVP award, his fourth, and uh, he's now won that award on three different teams. Uh, the Heat, I mean, as an as just a true NBA fan, I just hoped it would have been a better Game 6. After the first quarter, you could kind of get that sense the Lakers were going to win, and then at halftime, you, you kind of knew it was over. I mean, the commentators were comparing that um, to the uh, 2008 finals where the Celtics were 
up 30 at halftime against the Lakers, and it was pretty much over. That was the same situation uh, as this game. And, I mean, it was a great performance by the Lakers, and uh, I just wish it was a closer game. But I think that no matter how close it was, I I think the Lakers were coming out on top either way. That's going to cap it off for today's main segment. It was a great NBA bubble, so much fun to watch during a coronavirus. I know we all loved it. We all loved seeing the Lakers come out on top. And I know Andrew loved to see Duncan Robinson's great performances. Now we're going to move on to our shot clock segment. For our loyal fans, you know how this goes. Um, I, the main host, am going to propose a question. And the four hosts are going to each have 24 seconds to respond to the prompt. And today we are going to go towards the NFL. And the question for today is, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl after you've seen the Week 5 performances? All right, since Campbell's phone appears to be dead, uh, Andrew, you're going to go first. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? you got 24 seconds on the clock starting now. I'm going to stick to my uh, preseason prediction. I think the Chiefs, despite losing at home uh, by multiple scores to the Oakland Raiders, I still have full confidence in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in that offense. That offense can put up just a ton of points, and I think it's about the defense. If the defense can just get a little better, I mean, we saw what happened last year. The defense came up clutch in the Super Bowl, and I'm I'm still rolling with the Chiefs. I don't think when it comes down to it, I don't think anyone can beat them in the AFC. Now we're going to get Campbell up here for this shot clock segment. Campbell, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? you got 24 seconds starting now. So I'm just pretty much going to repeat what Andrew said. I have the Chiefs as my uh, Super Bowl favorites. Despite their loss on Sunday, I think they're going to bounce back. Patrick Mahomes is just too good to lose multiple games in a row. I'm pretty sure I saw the other day that it was the first time that Patrick Mahomes lost a game by more than seven. I don't think it's going to happen again this season. Or Sorry, I don't. they're going to lose again this season, but I think they're going to bounce back and win the Super Bowl. All right, Tyler, now it's your turn. Who's your Super Bowl champ this year? 24 seconds, ready, set, go. You know what? I'm going to go with kind of the surprising pick. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. They play the, the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming week. Well, I think will give us more information about how good they are. But Josh Allen has played an MVP level with John Brown and Stephon Diggs at his wideouts. Their defense is really good with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And their running game has been pretty solid with Devin Singletary. So I think they are definitely a contender and we'll figure out more about how good they are in the next weeks. I mean, what can you say about the Bills? And one of our old shot clock segments, I said Josh Allen, most underrated player in the NFL. Uh, someone want to time me for my shot clock segment? Dean, 24 seconds, starting now. All right, so I'm going to try and not sound so biased here. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are off to a hot start at 4-0, having a bye this past week. Aaron Rodgers is looking so good right now. He doesn't even have his two best offensive weapons, wide wide receiver-wise, and Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams. They've both been out, and he's still making plays to uh, wide receivers and tight ends you've never heard of. Their defense is amazing, even with all their injuries. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, and they are just looking totally amazing right now. And that'll do it for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and the platform you're listening on today. I'm Campbell Klein, along with Tyler Fertel, Andrew Lubliner, and Dean McCollum, and this has been At The Buzzer. See you next week.